It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you're having a good day so far and let me be a part of it. I do uh, thank you for that. I thank also the patrons of the program that help make the show possible. Uh, New patrons like Jim and Lisa. Also, John, Becky, David, Ray, Lori, Rick, Ben, Tammy, and Ann. Thank you very much for becoming patrons. They went to thepetecalendarshow.com. They clicked on the link that's at the top there. And uh, they became patrons, and then they become uh, sort of the board of directors. So not only do they get the exclusive merchandise and the uh, advanced uh, uh, topics and content that they get uh, access to the prep sheet, they get access to the live streams, but uh, also as part of the live streams, we have discussions about like what I'm doing, how the show is doing, and so they act as my board of advisors. And we have a lot of fun doing it. So if you are interested in hanging out with us on Thursday nights at 7 o'clock, that's when we do the live stream. So um, go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Also, thank you to today's sponsor of the show, one of them, General Equipment Rental. And this is pretty cool. Uh, they got huge savings going on right now for the Husqvarna V500 series. These are stand-on mowers. These things are fantastic. And, uh, I mean, you're getting the Husqvarna power, the performance, the reliability, right? The name Husqvarna is just legendary. And General Equipment Rental can actually help you put a couple of deals together. And so you end up saving up to $3,500. There's not a better time to add one of these Husqvarna stand-on mowers to your fleet if you're a lawn service uh, or uh, you're in charge of you know some grounds and you need a stand-on mower for a commercial operation. But you may have a really large piece of property this is a fantastic deal. Uh, if you're thinking about replacing your mower, you combine two special offers. First, there's one that's you take 25% off the MSRP for uh, purchasing a nine-point fleet item. And then you add a $1,000 instant rebate when you purchase the V548 or the V554, and you put them together. Bam, total savings, $3,500. So think it over, but not for too long because the promotion that you can uh, – uh, take advantage of here. It ends at the uh, end of April. So go to General Equipment Rental or go to their website, generalrents.com, and uh, click on the button at the top that says sales, and you can get all of the details there. This is the kind of deal that General Equipment Rental can get for you as the official licensed Husqvarna outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. So go see their website, get all the details, generalrents.com. Also, obviously, for all of your equipment and power tool rental needs, General Equipment Rental, family-owned and operated for three generations. They're in uh, Weaverville. They're in the uh, intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. And great people, great products, great service. They know this equipment, so they're going to be able to give you all of the specs for all of the different pieces. Whatever the job you uh, are looking to finish, uh, they can help you do so. Go to General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com, and think outside your toolbox. All right, so uh, I know everybody's been really focused on potato head dolls and Dr. Seuss books, (laughs) but... uh, There was, uh, I don't know, something a little bit, I think, more important happened over the weekend. 
It's uh, what Politico calls it, the uh, greatest expansion of the welfare state since LBJ, which, as I predicted, and I know, like, and I don't know what to do about this. It, uh, I don't. Um, I, all I can do is give you the information and be frustrated and be mad and be informed. But this is, you know, elections have consequences. This is what Democrats are going to do when they have complete control. And they're not done. This is just beginning. As remember, when uh, the Republicans lost the both of those U.S. Senate races in Georgia, and I said, Democrats are going to run as far, as fast to the left as they can. They're going to seize this opportunity to ram as many things through, even though the Senate is a 50-50 split. And we're seeing it happen now. This $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill, it's not even really that. We all know it's not. As Politico points out, it's the greatest expansion of the welfare state. The bill goes far beyond stimulus payments. And that's the other thing, too. Like, stimulus, are we in a, like, are we in a, a depression? Are we in another recession over all of the uh, the COVID lockdown stuff? Because we did a series of stimulus relief packages, you know, last year. Are we still, are we in worse shape now than we were then? Because this is even bigger, Right. The payouts that are going on here now in this bill, they're even larger than the the last ones. So are we in a worse state now? I don't think so. No, this is the Democrats' opportunity to remake our system, right? And they're doing it with with the slimmest of majorities because they don't care. They don't care if people disagree with them. They don't. It doesn't matter to them. They rule. When they get power, they rule. That's sort of the difference, you know, when Republicans get in power, they govern. And when Democrats get in power, they rule. <laughs> so and I know I'm being overly simplistic and that's hashtag not all Republicans and hashtag not all Democrats. But I don't know how you can reconcile how they're behaving right now with all of the uh, the happy talk about unity and cooperation. In fact, I've got this piece here Vox.com wrote up a big winners and losers uh, rundown. And one of the losers that they listed here is the moderate Republicans that were all invited to go hang out uh, at the White House and talk about COVID relief. And then were summarily ignored <laughs> for, for all of it. And uh, yeah, so I've got I'll get into some of the details. One of the quotes there from Susan Collins was, I think, pretty instructive. The Washington Post Uh, says that the pandemic made Americans more pro-big government and more anti-austerity, perhaps permanently. Politico says the bill extends far beyond stimulus payments and unemployment benefits that have received most of the attention. It would also expand the child tax credit and the earned income tax credit, provide more generous support for child care expenses, and bolster Obamacare to the tune of tens of billions of dollars. How did Democrats win this fight over welfare while barely firing a shot? Well, Politico says on the first question, this is from the playbook that Politico does every day. The um, conventional wisdom, they say, is sound. The twin crises of disease and recession boosted support for government intervention well beyond what was 
uh, what has been tolerated for decades. Donald Trump and the GOP's own support for the last two bills depolarized the fight over this one. Right. Once. Right. Because once you say, okay, fine, let's send out stimulus checks, let's send out relief checks and let's send twelve hundred dollars. Oh, okay, that's great. And then Trump comes along. He's like, well, I I think it should be two thousand. And no, 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 it should be six hundred. You start arguing over the price. Well, we've already determined what you are. Now we're haggling over price. Right. So once the Democrats take over, then they just say, well, we're doing relief, too. And you did all of this. So we're going to keep doing it. And there's no real argument except, well, you're stuffing a bunch of stuff in there. And that's true. But that's what politicians do. Everybody expects it. And you got half of the country that is terrified of dying right now from somebody walking past their window and coughing. Right. So uh, and I don't say that to minimize the risk of covid. I'm saying that because people have lost all perception of risk. They think everybody is at the at equal risk of dying at any moment and we're viewing each other now as, you know, nuclear bombs about to detonate in our presence. This is really destructive for uh for a society. Anyway, Biden's opposition, this is back to Politico, Biden's opposition was distracted by internal divisions. The January 6th uh riot the impeachment proceedings, you got, uh, you know, McCarthy versus Cheney, GOP leadership issues, Trump versus McConnell, right? So all of this stuff, this turmoil that's been going on in D.C., and it distracted from the COVID relief bill. And the conservative media has also been distracted by uh, what Politico calls juicier fare than tax policy. In other words, will Fox and similar outlets start to realize that what's being pushed through Congress is actually a lot more consequential than whether you can still buy if I ran the zoo, right? Now, I would submit that they are important. I'm not that, and I said this on the live stream last week, I'm not that outraged over the the Seuss Enterprises or whatever, Dr. Seuss Foundation, whatever it is. I'm not that I am not outraged, actually. I'm not outraged at all that the people who are in charge of, you know, Dr. Seuss's legacy, that they decided that they were not going to publish uh, some of these books anymore. Six titles that I'd never even heard of. I think the Mulberry Street one I may have heard of, but the other six, I had not even heard of them. I'm not a Seussophile. I'm not a big Dr. Seuss fan, so I'm I'm not the best person to ask about this. But if the people who are in charge of protecting his uh, uh, his legacy, right, and they decide, yeah, you know what? Some of these lines in these poems that he wrote in these books are kind of racisty. We don't want to publish them anymore. Hey, yeah, you know what? That picture of some people, yeah, that kind of looks racisty, and they don't want to publish the books anymore. I'm okay with that. I I am. I am okay with that. I I don't I don't really care. I am concerned to some degree about like cancel culture and this story in that regard, but I don't see this as really an example because they were the ones who decided to do it. Um now, I'm not a fan of like eBay like going all around and trying to scrape its sight from uh, people trying to buy these books. 
you're still going to have people buy the books. They're going to be able to trade them and stuff, find, you know, each other elsewhere on the web. That's fine. Um, and look, these things are going to become now more valuable because they're not going to be published any longer. Uh, I don't like the idea of them getting, quote, banned. But if they want to get rid of them, if Dr. Seuss Enterprises or whatever, if they don't want to publish them anymore, not get rid of them, they don't want to publish any new copies of it, it's totally within their rights to do so. I'm not for banning it. I'm just saying if they don't want to publish them anymore, they don't have to. And they have the rights to that intellectual property. Okay. But and while everybody's focused on that and Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head and transgenderism and potato heads, whatever, um, which, by the way, wouldn't Mr. Potato Head be like the first trans toy? I mean, I'm just thinking like logistically, like mechanically. He's anyway. Um, I, I think this was a big miss for a lot of conservative outlets. I've been trying to keep track of what's been going on with the COVID relief bill, and it's not gotten a ton of coverage in the conservative press. So uh, that's just my assessment, just like my assessment of the beds at Mattress Man. Uh, great deals, great mattresses. That's my assessment. I, I should know I have a bed from Mattress Man. Christy and I, we have a king-size memory foam that we love, and Right now, you can get awesome financing deals. And, hey, you know what? Now that uh, the Biden bucks are going to be coming, maybe you take that money and go get yourself a new mattress, right? You, I mean, were you even expecting all of the, the stimulus relief COVID Biden dollars coming? So maybe just take it and roll it into a mattress. Instead of stuffing it under the mattress, you just buy a new mattress. <laughs> well, for real. And here's the deal. If you're getting a tax refund... You, got, you don't even need any credit to pick up a mattress from Mattress Man. At most, a $39 down payment, no interest, same as cash, 0% APR, up to 24 months, same as cash. They've got tons of flexible financing options available. And what this means is you buy it now, you sleep on your mattress right away, and then you pay it off when you get your refund. It's a win-win, win-win. Go to mattressmanstores.com. Check out the inventory. Uh, they have a 120-day comfort guarantee, five-star delivery service, local white glove delivery service. Uh, they do ship nationwide, and they have sleep consultants at the four stores in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville that can help you pick the right mattress for how you sleep because your sleep position matters when it comes to selecting a mattress. Did you know that? I did not know that. Well, not before I started working with Mattress Man. I did not know that. Uh, so Christy and I, we got our mattress from Mattress Man like eight years ago, almost nine years ago now. And so we will be replacing our mattress once we get into the new house. Mattress Man is locally owned and operated, and they have all kinds of mattresses, inner spring, pillow top, natural latex mattresses, along with adjustable bases. Uh, and actually, with the purchase of select mattresses, you can get a free adjustable base. So experience the difference at Mattress Man. Find the local store nearest you at mattressmanstores.com. Buy local and sleep better. So vox.com, V-O-X.com. This is a lefty website. And this was, uh, uh, you remember they started the whole like explanatory journalism <laughs> movement where like we're basically going to tell you what to think with this information not just the information we're going to tell you what it means and what it means is always going to be filtered through their left-wing ideology anyway uh, i bring this to you because first off i always read uh what you know the uh, the media on the left always got to read that stuff because you got to know what they're uh, thinking and what their interpretation is on some of this stuff uh, but also when it comes to this covid relief bill 
they've been covering it way more in depth than a lot of conservative media because this is the biggest expansion of the welfare state since LBJ. They're really, really excited about it. They, they're, now, they didn't get the $15 minimum wage. That was one of the losers because they do this, who, you know, winners and losers of the big bill. And the $15 an hour minimum wage uh, was the loser. They did not, or supporters were the losers. They did not get that $15 minimum wage yet. They might, but not yet. It's not part of the bill. The bill includes $1,400 checks to millions of Americans, not the $2,000 checks. No, not $2,000 checks. Although that was the direct promise from the people running down in Georgia John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, uh, both of those two Democratic candidates for U.S. Senate in that special runoff election, they were promising, they had billboards that said, you know, vote for me, I'll give you $2,000, which I thought was illegal, like buying votes is illegal, but I guess it's not if you call it stimulus. Anyway, they were like, vote for us, we're going to give you two grand. And uh, then then they came back and said, well, no, it's not two grand, it's 1400 because it's 600 plus the 1400 you see so it's now so you got to add them together and the 600 was already done and so it's it was cumulative which is funny to me like why wouldn't you just do two grand why like why i guess they needed the money they they didn't want to go to two trillion they're at 1.9 trillion uh, like some of these numbers that they come up with it's like with obama remember when he did the the first stimulus and they said uh it's got to be like no more than a trillion. They refused to let it go over a trillion. So they came in at like 900 billion <laughs> as if like it matters. Who decides that? Well, I just I wouldn't be able to spin uh, a trillion, but I can spin 900 billion. Really? Because 900 sounds way bigger than one, you know, even though one trillion is bigger. But still, I, I just I, I kind of laugh at some of the rationale that people come up with. So 1.9 trillion and not a penny more. The bill includes the $1,400 stimulus checks. Uh, it extends expanded unemployment until September 6th. And don't, September 6th, unemployment through September 6th. It doles out billions of dollars towards vaccinations, testing, testing. But like, are we still using that as a metric? Really? I thought, anyway, okay. Um, State and local governments, schools and businesses. I'm going to get more into the state and local government aspect. The scope of the stimulus check recipients was scaled back, however, so that they will go to people making uh, only up to 75K a year. Okay, so if you make more than $75,000 a year, you're not getting this. And um, they're going to phase out at 80K. So between 75 and 80K, I guess you will get some, but you're not going to get the full 1400 and it phases out at 80K. If you are, um, if you're, you know, couple, uh, two income earners in the household, then it's 160K for couples. Okay. Um, previously, the phase outs were set at 100,000 and 200,000. Uh, the change cuts eligibility for an estimated 12 million adults and nearly 5 million children. Although it is worth noting, the bill expanded check eligibility to adult dependents, like college students and those with disabilities. Winner. So here's their list of winners. I'm just going to run through the... Yeah. So winner, social democracy. Loser, deficit hawks. Loser, moderate Senate Republicans. Winner, small and big businesses that fought a minimum wage hike. <laughs> 
Winner, Joe Manchin. Winner, millions of Americans who need the help. Winner, private insurance. Loser, expanding Medicaid to remaining Republican states. Okay, so I'm not going to go into in depth. This is a very lengthy rundown. It's like five pages or something. But uh, a couple of the highlights that I thought were important. Social democracy. This is one of the winners, they said. The stimulus bills, direct cash provisions. So the $1,400 checks, expanded child tax credit could end up being even bigger than we think. In theory, these programs are designed to address the specific problem of families suffering from the COVID-caused economic disaster. In practice, they're likely to prove so popular that there will be increased demand for more direct government provision of checks, both in crises and outside of crises. Proposals like Senator Mitt Romney's child allowance, in which the government would send monthly checks to families of young children in perpetuity are all of a sudden looking more like plausible legislation. Social democratic ratchet effect in real time is what they call it. The social democratic ratchet effect, an economic crisis best solved by expanding government and the popularity of this government expansion leads to its institutionalization. The U.S. is certainly a long way from a European social democratic model, but the stimulus bill may prove to be a major step in that direction. So writes Zach Beauchamp from Vox.com. Yeah, deficit hawks, you lost. I don't think I need to explain why, because <laughs> it's a $1.9 trillion uh, bill that uh, we can't afford. We don't have the money. We're spending more money. We're at like $4.5 trillion annual budget, and we only take in like half that amount of money. So yeah, we're running $2 trillion annual deficits, and we just did another $2 trillion in spending, not to mention the other trillions of dollars that we spent in uh, the previous relief packages, and that doesn't include any of the unfunded liabilities in the out years uh, somewhere in the neighborhood. I think it's somewhere like 70 to $80 trillion. Yeah, so uh, we have no money. We're just uh, making it up. We're just uh, printing it. We're not even printing it anymore. We're not even going through the motions of printing it. It's just all ones and zeros now in computer programs. Anyway, um, in early February, moderate Senate Republicans were riding high, confident that they could strike a deal with Biden on COVID-19 relief. And uh, that all got blown up. A few weeks later, after their first Oval Office meeting with the uh, president, these 10 Senate Republicans were shut out. <laughs> they were ignored in any of the bill drafting. So they're they're labeled as losers by Vox.com. These moderate Senate Republicans and Susan Collins, who was one of them, uh, she blamed Biden's top staff, namely the White House chief of staff, Ron Klain, more so than Joe Biden himself. They say they got shut out and uh, basically everything that Biden uh, initially came to them with his opening proposal, they ju- they kept. Like they, they really, they, they didn't do anything. They didn't offer anything to these moderate Republicans. Uh, what else? The minimum wage hike, uh, that that did not get included. So small and big businesses that fought that, uh, they're winners here. Next up, winner Joe Manchin, Democrat, West Virginia. This is probably his last term just because um, 
West Virginia has been trending more and more and more Republican over the years. Um, he's just he's he's probably dead man walking. But right now, as Vox.com says, it's good to be the king. And when you're Joe Manchin, the pivotal vote in a 50-50 Senate representing a deeply conservative state and knowing Democrats are lucky to even have you, you're the king. The pandemic relief bill passed by the Senate unmistakably bears Manchin's stamp. The Senate parliamentarian may have technically scuttled the $15 an hour minimum wage by saying it was non-budgetary, but... It was Joe Manchin's opposition to the underlying policy that doomed any chance of fixing it. Uh, He also insisted on capping check eligibility at the $80,000 income level uh, rather than $100,000. The crux of what happened is that Manchin made demands. The Democrats agreed to them to secure his vote. Because of that, he gets to be covered in the press as having forced difficult changes to the bill rather than simply going along with what Biden wants, even though in the end, he really did go along with the vast majority of what Biden wanted. He knew he had leverage and he used it. Right. So this is they're they're arguing and they go on in depth about this, um, that uh, he just basically just gummed up the works for the sake of gumming up the works. It's it was a performance. In the end, he went with Biden. He went with what was proposed. In the end, he didn't change the deal uh, substantially. And this is what I feared and said might very well be the case. I don't believe Joe Manchin is this, uh, you know, rogue, renegade kind of a guy. Like, okay, so he's like, okay, his stamp of, you know, it's it's Joe Manchin all over this bill. Why? Because the eligibility went from 100000 to 80000 So people who make over $80,000... But less than $100,000, this 12 million people cohort, like that, that was his hill that he fought on. <laughs> okay, I guess I, I guess that's his stamp on it. Is that a, is that a substantial substantive kind of uh, change that he got? Not really. The $15 an hour minimum wage. Yeah, that's substantial, I guess. Would the parliamentarian have ruled it not part of this deal? It couldn't be part of the deal. Without him, I don't know. But that's the cover story. So, yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I Like I said, I don't have a lot of confidence in Joe Manchin. If you're counting on him to be the bulwark for conservatism, you're screwed. <laughs> uh, anyway, elections have consequences. Winner, millions of Americans who need the help. Some people who qualified for stimulus checks before are not going to this time around because their incomes are too high. But adult dependents like college students and those with disabilities, they will be eligible for checks for the first time. So good. We're giving the college kids (laughs) $1,400. What could go wrong? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, Winner, private insurance. A two-year expansion of the Affordable Care Act's premium subsidies, which Americans can use to purchase private health insurance on the marketplaces. Uh, So that's a win, quote-unquote. Again, this is from Vox, left-wing website. Loser, expanding Medicaid to remaining states, like North Carolina. Democrats now are offering a new enticement for the holdout states to expand Medicaid. Already under the Affordable Care Act, the federal government would cover 90% of the expansion's cost, right? This is what Governor Roy Cooper is always talking about. Oh, the federal government's going to pay this money to us. If we expand it, they'll cover the 90% cost of the expansion. Okay, but first off, you're 
anticipating that the feds will never dial that number down. See, once you institute these types of programs, and the Vox writers are exactly right, once you get people dependent on government programs and services, they tend not to want to give them up. Look at public schools, for example. Look at everything that's going on with the public schools. That's what happens when you create a society dependent on a government service for over a century. And then you take that service away. And people are like, I don't know what to do, right? They, what, what can you do? Like, seriously, like the infrastructure is not there in order to allow people to pivot quickly and take care of their kids from an educational perspective. Some parents can. Some that are either, what, uh, uh, quitting their jobs and homeschooling, or they banded together and pulled their resources and created like a pod, but then they had to hire a teacher to teach the kids, right? There's a lot of exertion that was required in order to break that dependency. And once schools reopen, once the government schools reopen, I suspect most parents are just going to send their kids back to the back to that service. Right. So the left is very you know aware that this happens. And so they offer these programs like Medicaid expansion in the hopes to get the states hooked, get everybody hooked. And then, well, you know what? We can't afford the 90 percent. We're going to dial that back to, say, 85 percent. And you, you states got to make up the cost. This is how the game is played. And uh, the Republican General Assembly knows this. They know that that 90% expansion uh, cost coverage is not going to last. So here's what the Democrats in Congress do. Hey, hey, how about this? Um, we'll give you a 5% bump. <laughs> but for two years, it'll be so we'll cover 95%. And we'll cover that for two years. So you can expand and... Um, And then it won't be, you only got to pay like 5%. Now, after two years, you're going to have to pay the 10%, but it's still only 10%. I mean, come on, you can afford that. A lot of conservative state officials do not sound very interested in taking this deal, however. So that's a little bit of good news. Here's another piece of good news. Old Grouch's military surplus is open. They are open Monday through Saturday in downtown Clyde on Main Street. And that means you've got access to all sorts of gear for the springtime. If you are a hunter, a hiker, a camper, a prepper, uh, if your kids are going back to school and they need a backpack, you go over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. If you need a first aid kit, and you should have a first aid kit if you are doing outdoor adventuring and such, if you are a prepper, do you have a go bag? Do you have supplies? Go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. And by the way, if you have stuff that... uh, you're interested to know, like, what could I get for this? You're looking to sell it? Go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. He's always looking uh, for unique stuff. So um, head on over there or check out his website, oldgrouch.com. Again, shop is open Monday through Saturday. Downtown Clyde, it's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. So the COVID relief package delivers billions of dollars to states even though their finances are fine. <laughs> they're getting states are getting a bailout even though they're not running deficits. Which is it a bailout then? It does it count as a bailout? Um state and local governments have avoided a recessionary crunch thanks to recovering tax revenues coupled with waves of federal aid. Instead of seeing their finances crater, states are now afloat on a tide of federal cash. This is a piece by Michael Lucci at National Review. 
who says, uh, yet the coronavirus relief proposal Joe Biden favors and and uh, passed, I think it was like $350 billion, um, exceeds all previous federal aid during this crisis so far combined. It is not necessary. The federal government has provided sufficient aid to state and local governments already. With revenues flat year over year, state and local coffers are expected to collect $130 billion less than previously anticipated growth through June 2021. Any financial shortfall is more than covered by the previous packages that were passed. The federal government has already provided $400 billion. This brings us to Biden's proposal. It's basically to flood the state and the local governments with $350 billion in general support, plus another $175 billion for education, effectively pouring more water into an overflowing cup. Even Democrat-affiliated economists like Larry Summers have questioned the wisdom of the $1.9 trillion package of which the state aid is a part. He points out that it goes far beyond replacing lost output. Moreover, $350 billion in state support, it's being distributed by a formula that favors states with high unemployment. This is different, by the way. We've never done... uh, this kind of aid before, this kind of a stimulus, this formula has never been used before. This is brand new. States that voted for President Biden are going to be getting $1,000, 1040 actually, 1040 per person. Okay? So blue states are getting $1,040 per person. On average, that's just the per capita figure based on this formula. Red states, $900 per resident. It's hard to avoid the conclusion that the money is not meant to offset revenue losses, but rather to temporarily absolve financially troubled states of mismanagement that predated the pandemic. I remember, I forget who it was um, that we were interviewing, but uh, I remember somebody mentioning that um, this is, uh, there are a lot of businesses that are going to claim COVID closed them, that they went out of business because of COVID. And the lockdowns, but actually they were already circling the drain, right? They were they were already in trouble. I think uh, Warren Buffett said something like, "When the tide goes out, you, you realize who's been swimming naked." And uh, there are a lot of businesses that were hanging on, that were you know barely getting by, and then uh, COVID hits and they go out of business. And yes, it is a factor, but the the fundamentals of that business were already problematic let's say. Uh, And states are no different. You've got states that have been running very poorly. They've been mismanaged from a fiscal perspective. And uh, now they're getting a big fat bailout from the federal government. Uh, And look, they're not going to make any changes to their ways when they get bailed out, uh, when they make all these promises and they do all of this spending and they they don't put money aside for their pensions. Like it's kind of crazy too. Like if you're going to use this to bail out the states, then why not use it to actually shore up long-term finances? For example, this is a guy named Jared Walzak. He is the vice president of state projects at the Tax Foundation. He says the amendments that were made to this, uh, they call it the American Rescue Plan Act, uh, or as I like to call it, the ARPA. Uh, it imposes restrictions on the use of this money, this $350 billion in state and local aid. So states cannot use it for tax cuts. 
Okay, so if like North Carolina gets, you know, ten billion dollars or something, I don't know how much we're getting, but like let's we get ten billion dollars, and the Republicans are like, we don't need ten billion dollars. So you know what? Um, how about this? We're going to just give it back to the taxpayers. <laughs> we're going to refund it to all of our taxpayers. You can't do that. It's in the legislation. Um, how about or how about this? Hey, we got this massive uh, deficit in the uh, or unfunded uh, pension plan, right? We, we owe tens of billions of dollars, whatever. And so we need to fund this thing. And we're so far behind because Democrats, when they implemented these things, they made all these promises for the out years. And in order for, you know, to get votes now, they promise you pensions, you know, in perpetuity. And oh, lo and behold, they weren't funding them. Oh, and now we're not going to have any money. So how about we take this money that we don't need right now that the feds are forcing us to take? How about we pay that? Let's put it all into the pension fund. Nope, can't do that either. Not allowed to do that either. Okay, um, so you can use it to cover pandemic expenses. You can use it to backfill pandemic era revenue losses, <clears throat> California, New York. Um, and you can use it to do projects like water, sewer, and broadband. Okay, but almost half the states saw revenues increase. North Carolina is one of them. So, I mean, they they did not go up as as much as was predicted, I believe. But uh, you know, some states even did exceed expectations. But losses frequently were way less than the aid packages that came from the Fed. So what do you spend this money on if you didn't lose a lot of revenue? <laughs> like, we we got budget surpluses. Like, what are, what are we going to spend this money on? Just lots and lots of rural broadband? Water and sewer projects all over the state? What? Like, I'm... This wouldn't seem to allow the states to deposit the money into their depleted unemployment compensation trust funds. How about that? Could, could you fund your unemployment? Nope, you can't even do that. Not allowed to. Congress should have actually targeted the aid that way. Instead, they prohibited the aid from being used for unemployment. Uh, a reminder in all of this that state revenues are down 0.2%, and a lot of states are up. Every state gets more aid under the bill than they posted in losses. It's genuinely unclear what states are supposed to do with this money. Even with the CARES Act, $150 billion, states couldn't find enough ways to spend it on COVID-specific responses. And they're getting more money for actual needs like vaccines and public health in this very bill, right? So you're getting the money for the vaccines, you're getting it for public health, you're getting it for those things, and then you get this other extra chunk of money. And you're not allowed to use it for pensions. You're not allowed to use it for tax cuts. You got to use it. I guess we're getting broadband, everybody. Like everyone's going to have, what, 5G everywhere. Are we allowed to have the 5G? I don't know. There are people like, oh, it's going to kill people, the 5G. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's hard to look at this as anything other than uh, a bailout for poorly managed big blue states that have high unemployment because their governments are garbage. It really, like, it's hard not to see this as that. Just like it's hard not to see the results uh, when you hire Rowena Patton to get your house sold. Because, like, you hire her and then your house gets sold. It's, like, that quick. And, like, seriously, I tell people, I don't just say, give her a call and then start packing. Like, I mean it. You have 
you got to be ready because once she goes to work for you, uh, she's got buyers already lined up and you get your house listed and almost immediately you're getting offers and then you got to move and it happens very fast. So if you are thinking about buying or selling a home, call Rowena Patton. Her number is 333-4483. That's 333-4483. She's the official and only Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Asheville. It's a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. Uh, this goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military, veterans, active duty, retirees. And she's given back about $800,000 to local folks. So buying or selling, call the only agent I would call, Rowena Patton, 333-4483. And then, that's right, start packing. So at Forbes.com, Patrick Gleason, he's a contributor. And he's also the vice president of state affairs uh, at Americans for Tax Reform, which is a Washington-based advocacy and policy research organization. And he says, while prominent blue state governors have released new budget proposals that call for state tax hikes in New York, Illinois, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, congressional Democrats are now worried that Republicans are going to take red state fiscal policy in the opposite direction by cutting taxes. And so that's what this COVID relief money gets at. They By, by preventing them from, they're literally saying, you can't get this money if you're going to cut taxes once you get the money. A manager's amendment, here's what it says, a manager's amendment to the $1.9 trillion bill uh, that sends $350 billion of it to state governments. Um, it says, quote, that the states or territories shall not use the funds provided under this section or transferred pursuant to blah, 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 to either directly or indirectly offset a reduction in the net tax revenue of such state or territory resulting from a change in law, regulation, or administrative interpretation during the covered period. So this is so they're making it a, a time period for like when you get this money. So if you were working on it beforehand, like some states like West Virginia and Mississippi, they were advancing legislation to phase out their state income tax. Are they going to be negatively impacted by this timeline? I don't know. Um, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and congressional Democrats are trying to block state legislators and governors from returning the next round of federal aid to the states back to taxpayers in the form of of tax cuts or rebates. <laughs> hey, I got an idea. How about you take all of the money in North Carolina and you uh, pour it all into a fund for uh, school vouchers? How about that? Create a sinking fund, basically. And the interest that you, you it would kick off funds uh, the program. How about that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much we're getting. 350 billion dollars i mean i'm thinking it's going to be somewhere if it's based on well it's based on unemployment and our unemployment rates i don't know it's like five percent or so so i don't know how that compares with other states but let's say we get like nine or ten billion dollars like our state budget annually is 20 billion 22 or yeah, 22 23 billion so um somewhere in that neighborhood so we're gonna get like almost what half or a third of our state budget just in one big check and um i say just create an account, put it into that account, take the interest and fund opportunity scholarships to get more kids out of the government schools. 
give more parents the option to get their kids out of schools that are either failing, uh, failing that kid or are staying on permanent lockdown or are, you know, uh, they're, they're using uh, the COVID crisis in order to uh, exert influence for their political uh, agenda, which is what the NCAE Teachers Union has been doing in some of the bigger districts. Um, the prohibition will prevent state officials from using any of the money to replenish state employ- unemployment compensation funds, which is actually among the most pressing needs. Um, in addition to the restrictions on the use of state aid, the formula by which the state is divvying up the uh, or the state aid is getting divvied up, that has also drawn criticism. A bipartisan group of 22 governors put out a joint statement urging the Senate to amend the formula. They did not. The new spending bill determines the amount of federal aid based on state unemployment rates, which these governors see as rewarding bad behavior and poor, unjustified decisions about restricting commerce. Quote, unlike all previous federal packages, the new stimulus proposal allocates aid based on a state's unemployment population rather than its actual population, which punishes states that took a measured approach to the pandemic and entered the crisis with healthy state budgets and strong economies. This is the joint statement, which was organized by South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster and signed by nearly half of the nation's governors. So this is a brand new formula to reward blue states. New federal spending bill. Uh, This bill also entices states to commit to higher levels of spending in perpetuity. It does so by increasing the federal funding match for states that expand Medicaid. This promise of more money from Washington is an attempt to get governors and lawmakers like North Carolina that have not uh, expanded Medicaid to finally do so. This is what fundamental transformation looks like. Now, uh, if you would like some fundamental transformation in your life, what are you looking for? Better quality of life, maybe deeper sleep, lower tension, a balanced state of mind, maybe a positive mental outlook. Do what I do, and that's I take CBD. I take grower's hemp, full spectrum hemp extract. I take a couple drops before I go to bed every night. And I sleep more deeply than I ever have really in my entire life because I would always be this uh, one of these people that would wake up, you know, mind racing at like three in the morning, toss and turn for another half hour. And I would never be able to fall asleep quickly. I would lay down and it would take me like 45 minutes to an hour to fall asleep. It's really annoying. Uh, But now I take the CBD and take the uh, hemp extract from uh, the full spectrum hemp extract from growers hemp and I fall asleep. Uh, Now, as with all CBD products. GovCo requires a disclaimer. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And nothing I've said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. So please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Uh, Go to growershemp.com. Use the promo code Pete and you'll get 20% off. By the way, Growers Hemp, these are North Carolina farmers, family farmers uh, that banded together, created this company, sort of a co-op model. The farmers actually uh, benefit uh, by being part of the uh, the model because they benefit from the, uh, the produced 
uh, material versus just, uh, you know, selling the commodity as a crop. And uh, so it's just a different kind of model. So you're helping the family farms and they're helping you on your wellness journey. Go to growershemp.com, promo code Pete, and uh, get yourself some CBD. They have the drops. They also have topicals as well. So like salves and balms and whatnot. Growershemp.com, promo code Pete, get 20% off. Growers Hemp. It's about the hemp and not the hype. John Taylor at Kiplinger.com breaks down one of the components of uh, this relief bill, the child tax credit. The Senate passed this version. By the way, this has to go back to the House because the Senate made changes that the House bill didn't have. So they're going to have to uh, agree to this in conference. I expect that to happen and I expect Biden to sign it. Anyway, presently, child tax credits worth $2,000 per child under the age of 17 whom you claim as a dependent and who has a social security number. The credit starts to phase out if your adjusted gross income is over $400,000 on a joint return. Um, up to 1400 of the credit is refundable for some lower income individuals with children. And what that means when you say refundable, it means it's a payment. This is so stupid, this government language that they use. Uh, you know, oh, well, I get a tax refund. You're not getting a refund if you didn't pay any money, right? Like if you're getting more money than you paid to the federal government, it's not a refund. It's just a payment. Right? <laughs> anyway, the American Rescue Plan would temporarily expand the child tax credit for 2021. So first, the plan's going to allow 17-year-old children to qualify. So before, like up until now, or right now, until this thing passes, 16-year-olds, that's the cutoff. It's going to go to 17. Second, it's going to increase the credit to 3000 per kid, 3600 if your kids are under the age of six. Third, it's going to remove this earnings floor. So uh, you don't get this if you don't make at least $2,500 uh, a year. That's it. So $2,500 a year. You have to make a minimum of $2,500 a year to get the tax credit. Uh, they're going to get rid of that. Fourth, it would make the credit fully refundable, which means all of it. You, it like there's not a chunk of it that you get as a, quote, refund right? <laughs> it's a payment. Now the whole thing can be a payment. This is essentially a guaranteed basic income. That's essentially what this is. Because fifth, it's going to allow half of this credit to be paid in advance by having the IRS send periodic payments to families from July 2021 through December 2021. The purpose here is to get people hooked on the service, to get them hooked on the money, to have it coming in regularly, just like any, you know, monthly government check. And now they're going to get an advance on this. And do you think it's do you think it's going to be a popular move to take that away? No, of course not. As I said, this is essentially a guaranteed basic income. This is Andrew Yang's idea. A thousand dollars a month, everybody, right? Um, it's not his idea, the guaranteed income. I mean, Milton Friedman was a proponent of it. Like, and that's the kicker on this. The whole idea of going to a basic guaranteed income or the uh, uh, basic income guarantee, the BIG, sometimes referred to as, um, the idea was you put this in place because it's just a direct payment. It's just a check. And then people can choose how to spend that money as they see fit. 
because they're going to be the best deciders uh, for uh, for how that money is spent. Rather than saying, "Here's a you know, here's a check for your food, and here's a check for your housing voucher, and here's a here's another voucher for your medical care," instead of doing that, it's like just here's a check. It covers all of that, and by doing that, you reduce all the overhead of all these administration, these agencies, right? Uh, all these employees that you got to have. You get rid of all of that. That was the idea. If you're going to have a safety net, just give people a check. But what Friedman realized, Milton Friedman realized, when they started implementing the earned income tax credit under Reagan, right, when they started doing this, what happened? It just became another entitlement. They didn't actually dismantle the infrastructure of the welfare state. It just got bigger. And it's still with us. And now it's being expanded. (laughs) Of course it is. Because government, it's like fire. It's like fire. It's a useful servant, but a fearful master. And you can use fire for a lot of good, and you can use fire for a lot of bad. And God help you if it gets out of control. What else? Not all families with kids are going to get the higher tax credit. The enhanced tax break would begin to phase out at $75,000 for a single tax filer, uh, $112,000. 112,500 if you are head of household or 150,000 on joint returns. So for example, take a family of 5, 3 kids. Kids are age 12, 7 and 5. Assuming that they qualify for the higher child credit and that they don't opt out of the advanced payments, they would get $800 a month from the IRS from July through December for a total of $4,800. They would then claim the additional $4,800 in tax credits when they file their 2021 tax return next year. Slight question, concern you might call it. Can the IRS actually do this? (laughs) Because they're not exactly known as the most nimble of organizations. But luckily, there's like $400 million in the bill to help the IRS get up to speed on all of this. So we're going to find out whether they can handle it. And if they can't, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are kind of hacked off that they're not getting their monthly checks all of a sudden. That is a wrap for the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you uh, got something valuable out of this, like some information about the largest expansion of the welfare state since LBJ. And uh, remember, go to thepetecallendershow.com, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, We'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.